So this morning, I got here early and uh, went to my office to get some stuff checked in and discovered that I had been gifted a zucchini. It was laying in front of my office door, and it was a reminder to me, and I'm sure this is why I got the zucchini, is because Christmas is coming. You really, it's only nine more Sundays until Christmas, guys, so whoever gave me this has got their Christmas shopping already done, and the rest of you have to catch up. Um, you know, Christmas kind of gets a bum rap sometimes because uh, of all the commercialism, right? And, and people that buy stuff they don't need with money they don't have, and uh, sometimes for people they don't even like. And, uh, and I get it. There, there is way too much commercialism that gets into Christmas. We'll be doing our project here in a few weeks, uh, Advent Conspiracy, and we talk about, you know, how can we turn that around and, and reclaim Christmas for Jesus? Um, but I'm not a Grinch when it comes to Christmas. I, I love Christmas. I love to celebrate Christ's birth. I love peppermint mochas. I like lights on the tree. I love gifts. I like to give gifts. I like to receive gifts. And uh, in fact, I've already been doing some tinkering out in the wood shop, uh, working on some gift stuff for Christmas. Gifts are a sweet way to say, I love you. Now, certainly, people sometimes give gifts they shouldn't give. They, they give with money they couldn't afford to spend, etc. But, but a gift that is thoughtfully given is, is a wonderful way of saying, I love you, to other people. Uh, over the years, there have been a couple of unique gifts that I have received. Uh, one of them, so, so this goes way back. Um, October, so I hear, was Pastor Appreciation Month which I'm always a little uncomfortable with, but, but some of you have uh, written some nice cards and things, and, and thank you very much. But when that first got started, um, I think it was came out of Promise Keepers, kind of got that started. There was a guy that I'd helped him on his ranch with some of his livestock, and he knew that I was interested in his livestock. And so for pastor appreciation, he gave me a gift, and here is the gift that I received. <clears throat> Yes, I was the blessed recipient of two emus. And uh, this is Bert and Tina. And uh, we had a lot of fun with emus. But I got to tell you, there's, there's not a lot you can do with an emu, right? I mean, you can't ride them. Uh, they're not an emotional support animal. It's just it's, it's a little limited. A gift that probably has had more payoff for me was actually not one that I received. It was one that I gave. And yet, I received because I gave to my wife a uh, tuition for a master pie-baking class. <laughs> that was a very good gift, gentlemen. <laughs> we all benefited from that. You know, the Bible tells us that God is a gift giver. James 1.17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, you know, there are, I think, a lot of Bert and Tina gifts that God gives us in our lives. Things that are just fun. They just delight us. Uh, God has given us puppies and sunsets and taste buds with peppermint mochas. Uh, those are just sweet gifts that God gives to us. Then there are other gifts that are more the uh, pie-baking class kind of gift. They, they benefit us, but... In, in benefiting us, they really empower us to give to others, to benefit others. Uh, last week, 
we were thinking about a very simple gift that Jesus gave that last night, the last supper he had with his disciples when he washed their feet. That gift didn't require too much, did it? A basin of water, a towel, some dirty feet. That was about it. This week we want to talk about what it means to use the gifts that God has given us. And this is, if you're following along in the Rooted series, there's two parts to this series on living with purpose. Last week we started thinking about the fact that God has created us with purpose. And I showed you this verse out of Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We talked about this idea that if you're a follower of Jesus, your life has purpose. You have purpose because you have become re-engaged with the God who created you. And before God ever created you, he had a plan and a purpose for your life to fulfill. He has assignments that he has uniquely positioned you to accomplish. So purpose isn't something that we just have to make up for ourselves. Purpose, if we're walking with Jesus, is something that we discover what it is that he wants us to do. It's the pre-assigned reason that God has placed us here. So today I want to think more about this topic and specifically how God has equipped us for the jobs that he wants us to do. Something the Apostle Paul referred to as spiritual gifts. Here's a key verse. It comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, when people talk about spiritual gifts, you will often hear a list of particular spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, Paul, in particular, was the one that named some specific spiritual gifts that God gives. Uh, You might think of Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. So a whole list of things that Paul says God has gifted us with. Or maybe you're thinking of the list over in 1 Corinthians 12. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. If you were to condense all that down, you'll find a couple lists of what Paul talks about as spiritual gifts, right? There's the list, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Different gifts that God has given to his body. Okay, let me, let me show you a little something 
in Greek, all right? The New Testament was originally written in Greek. Let me show you something that shows up if you were reading this in Greek. Here's from Romans 12, 6. Having gifts, and the Greek word there is mata. Don't worry if the letters look weird, just trust me. Uh, having gifts that differ according to the grace, charis, given to us, let us use them. Now, without knowing anything about Greek, just kind of looking at shapes, maybe you can notice something that is common between these two words. Let me help you out. You notice what looks the same. Now, there's a letter there. I've got it in red. It's a little hard to see, but uh, that's actually the same letter. That's the sigma. And if sigma is at the end of a word, it looks more like our S. If it's in the middle of a word, it looks more like an O with a little tail at the top. But those are the same letter. So what you're seeing is that, yes, these two words, grace and gifts, are related. The word charis means an unearned kindness. That's what grace is, right? God gives us grace. It is his unearned kindness that he extends to us. But then he says that God also gives us charismata. Charismata is, is a plural, and it means um, unearned kindnesses that are given. That's what a gift is, right? A gift is an unearned kindness that is given. So we have been given the purpose of conveying God's kindness into a very unkind world. God has given kindness to us, and he has given us kindnesses, charismata, to give to others. Do you notice anything else about that word charismata? Let me give you the English transliteration. That may help. This is how it gets transliterated in English, charismata. Does that look like any other English word that you're familiar with in church circles? Maybe charismatic. That's exactly where that word comes from. This, this gets tossed around more in, in the church than anywhere else. Uh, we talk about maybe a charismatic person who has a, you know, a very compelling personality. But in church circles, we're talking about something else when someone says they're charismatic. What it should mean is that this is a person who embraces this teaching that God gives us spiritual gifts, unearned kindnesses that we are to use to bless others. Unfortunately, that word has often created more division than unity among followers of Jesus. And the problem is how we've come to use the term. So what does it mean to be charismatic? The problem that's grown up around this word is that it's become kind of a code word for just certain spiritual gifts, what I would call the oh-wow gifts. Uh, here's what I mean. If you take those lists of gifts that Paul gave, both in 1 Corinthians and again in Romans, you could take all of those and split them into two big categories. The first is what I would call the oh-wow gifts. It's prophecy, healing, miracles, tongues. These are the things that if, if God works through someone for any of these things, you would say, wow. That is like obviously a display of, of spiritual, supernatural power that that person could not do on their own. That is, that's a biggie there. And then you've got this other bunch of gifts that we might call the ho-hum gifts. They're kind of the yawners. Wisdom, discernment, service, mercy, knowledge, teachings, exhortation, giving, helping, yeah, whatever, right? That's what we tend to do with it. Now, I grew up in churches that put a tremendous amount of emphasis on the oh-wow gifts. 
Like, those were the gifts that everybody should be exercising. If you were a really committed Christian, if you were really walking in the Spirit, you would definitely display the oh wow gifts, or so we said. And if you didn't, then there was a sense that maybe there was something kind of wrong with your faith. Maybe you needed to kind of pray it through or something if you weren't getting those oh wow gifts. I mean, if you couldn't speak in tongues or heal the sick on command, maybe there's something wrong with your faith. I just want to point out that Paul lists these gifts all mixed up together. He doesn't put them into two brackets. He doesn't prioritize one above the other. He says, here's a whole bunch of different gifts that God gives to his people. The attention-grabbing supernatural and the boring normal stuff It's not that some are in bold type and others get stuffed down into the footnotes. And Paul seems pretty settled that not everyone gets everything. Different people get different gifts. Some of them turn heads more than others. There's nothing wrong with not getting everything. Because Paul's point isn't, you need to get all this stuff, all right? That's kind of a... uh, That's kind of a materialist, pseudo-spiritual way of looking at it. I've got to grab as much for me as I can. The point is, if everyone uses everything that they've been given for the good of everyone, then everyone will benefit from everything that God has given. Does that make sense? Let me run it by you again. If everyone uses everything that God has given... For the good of everyone, then everyone will benefit from everything God has given. Every gift God has given is part of his charismata. So, if you have any gift from God, any undeserved kindness to share kindness with others, God's kindness, then you are a charismatic This is a shock to some of you. If God has given you the ability to administer, then you, my organizational chart, spreadsheet-loving friend, are in fact a charismatic. Maybe you don't have the oh-wow ability to heal the sick, but God has given you a heart and a special ability to help people who are in need. And if that's you, then you are a charismatic. It's funny, there is one more charisma I'm aware of that rarely, if ever, gets included in the list of gifts. It comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul writing, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift, charisma, from God, one of one kind, one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to remain single as I am. So what's the gift that Paul says he's been given? He says, one of my gifts is celibacy. I'm single. And some of us would not label that as either an oh-wow or a ho-hum. We would create a third category, the oh-no. But you see, Paul didn't see that as an oh-no. He saw it as a gift. Marriage was good. Paul affirmed that. But there are ways that you're free to serve as a single that are beautiful and unique. Some of you are living a single life. 
Some of you are living that by choice. Some of you, it has been forced upon you. But I just want to affirm that in God's eyes, serving him as a single is not any less significant. In fact, it opens up whole new doors of opportunity for ministry and service to others. Paul saw it as one of his great gifts. Something else I want to point out about spiritual gifts. If you've been around the church for a while, you've probably heard teachings about discovering your spiritual gifts. Uh, in fact, I've even paid money. Maybe some of you have done this too in years past. I, I once paid money for a, a fancy computer-scored evaluation of my spiritual gifts. Now, this isn't my profile, but this is a sample of what you would get. Pretty cool, huh? You got bar charts and pie charts and statistics and percentages of which of the gifts you've got based on the list that Paul gave. The problem is the longer that I've lived and the more I've looked at what scripture has to say, the less enamored I am with these kinds of gift tests. Not that there's anything wrong with them per se. It, it can be helpful to a person sometimes to get a sense of areas where God might use them, maybe things they've never explored before. But I fear that these kinds of things leave a lot out and they try to make a science out of God's infinite goodness and creativity. I don't know that God necessarily meant for us to create a bar chart of his gifts. I can't find anywhere in the Bible that we're told to actually figure out our gifts. There's this assumption that we have been gifted and that we've all been gifted differently. But there's not any time spent on kind of spiritual navel-gazing, trying to figure out what my particular gift is or isn't. Often it's others who spot your gifts. They're the ones that, that see it and they invite you to serve in various ways because they can see how God has wired you. There's something else that I don't think is true. And that is, I don't think that Paul's lists are exhaustive. See, that's what these things act like. They act like this is it. You've got to fit on this bar chart someplace or you don't have a spiritual gift. And I don't think Paul meant for his lists to be exhaustive. Let me show you why I think that. Just look at the two lists. They're not the same. There's a little bit of overlap, but there's a lot of difference. Now, if you, li if you lived in the time of Paul and you're a Christian and you happen to have a post office box in Rome, and you got Paul's letter to the Romans, you would think that there were just seven spiritual gifts. But if you happen to live in Corinth, and that's where your P.O. box was, and you got the letter that Paul sent to Corinth, you would conclude that there were more gifts for folks in Corinth than there were in Rome. Like, like there were 10 additional gifts for you they didn't know about. Now, I don't think that, that Paul was trying to hold out on the Romans. I don't think he liked the Corinthians better, so he gave them a secret list that he wouldn't tell anybody else about. That, that's not what's going on here, okay? He's just giving examples of the variety of ways that God extends his unearned kindnesses to us. I think one of the reasons that Paul listed more examples for the Corinthians than he did for the Romans is because if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you will find that one of the problems was that the Corinthian church had become way too focused on some of the oh wow gifts to the point it was causing divisions. And I think that Paul, especially to them, wanted to say, you guys, 
God is about more than just a few of the oh wow gifts. God is using people in all kinds of ways, all kinds of gifts that he's given. So I think there are more giftings than the ones listed. And I wouldn't worry in the slightest if you can't figure out which of the things on that list is your strength. When it comes to living a life of purpose, a life of serving others in Jesus' name, the issue is not, what's my gift? The issue is, what's your need? Not where am I strong, but where are others weak? You remember Jesus washing his disciples' feet. He said, I have given you something as your master for you to follow, for, for you to imitate in your life. He didn't grab the towel because he recognized that he had a unique spiritual gift of foot washing. He grabbed the towel because he saw that they had a need and he was willing to serve. Now, I fully agree that God will use different people <clears throat> with different gifts to meet needs in different ways. I mean, if you became aware of people that were hungry in your community, and in the name of Jesus, you wanted to reach out and do something to meet that need of hunger, I think it would be someone that God has gifted with administration that would probably set up the food bank to help make that happen. And it would probably be someone that God has gifted with generosity and the means who will come along and that will buy the food, that will stock the food market that the administrator set up. And it'll be someone with that gift of helps that'll want to be there every week to be sure that they're putting hot soup in the bowl for those people. God will use all the gifts of all of his people together to accomplish his work. And if the food bank someday runs out of food and there's no money left to get it, well, maybe God will use someone with a miraculous gift to just take some loaves and fishes and make more, because he's done that kind of thing before, right? Rather than getting bogged down in Paul's lists, I like the big picture view that Peter had when he talked about this. Look how Peter talked about it in 1 Peter chapter 4. As each has received a gift, he doesn't list anything, he just says you've received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter reduces it all down to uh, just kind of two categories, not oh wow versus ho-hum. He says there are those who speak and those who serve. Again, I don't think he's trying to be exhaustive. He's just saying these are big things. We know there are people that, that do those teaching, counseling, instructing kinds of gifts. And there's a lot of other folks that do the, the serving, the hands-on kinds of gifts. And he says whatever you do. In fact, I like his term there. He talks about stewards of God's varied grace. All kinds of unearned kindnesses that God pours into our lives, not just for us to hold on to. He gives them to us and he says, here, you're a steward. I now want you as a good steward to take that unearned kindness I've given to you, that ability, that spiritual gift, and to give it to others, to be my kindness to them. 
We talked about the parable last week where Jesus told the, the master who went away and he gave to each of his servants different amounts of silver. Remember that? And, and he says, basically here, I am gifting you with an unearned kindness. You, you haven't earned this bag of silver. I'm giving it to you. But I want you to do something with it. I want you to invest it. Only one guy got in trouble. It was the guy that didn't do anything with his gift. Because he said, I didn't give this to you for you to hoard it. I gave it to you to, to invest it. That in, in giving it away in the right places, you actually bring more back into the kingdom of God. God is a big God. And he has called a whole bunch of very unique people. And some of you are very unique. <laughs> very unique. <laughs> to serve him. To serve him in a big world, in a needy world. And he's put unearned kindnesses into your life by his spirit so that you'll have the ability to bless and serve others. And as you do that, then you thank God for the gift. And don't even worry if it shows up on one of Paul's lists or not. Whatever God has given you, use it. You are to steward them, not hoard them. Peter's counsel is pretty simple. He says, use whatever you have to serve others. So this morning, I am not going to give you a spiritual gifts test. What I am giving you is four quarters. Fact, if we got some third and fifth graders here and you did not get a quarter because we were getting to the older people, that was so unfair of us. <laughs> if you slip your hand up or any of the rest of you that did not get a quarter and you came in, just slip a hand up and ushers are standing by, or my wife in this case, um, and they will get quarters to you. She's not real tall, so hold your hand up high if you need one, okay? All right, so I'm assuming then that you all have your bags of quarters. Here's what's gonna happen with the quarters. I'm hereby entrusting you to steward these quarters. Okay, kinda like that master that gave his servants the bags of silver. I don't have bags of silver, but you do get four silver quarters, okay? Because I'm cheap. <laughs> now, I don't want you to hoard these, all right? I want you to Use them, steward them. I want you to invest. And I'm not looking for financial investments. I'm looking for serving investments. So here's what we're gonna do. I want you to see it as kind of four markers, okay? The amount of money doesn't really matter. But these are four markers. A way for you to just kind of track it for yourself. Am I stewarding what God has given me? So before you leave church this morning, Maybe you're gonna to think to yourself, we got some folks over here still in the quarters. Uh, maybe you're gonna to think to yourself, is there something going on here? Is there a need at DCC that I could serve in? Someplace I could help? And, and if you can think of something, or you go to a pastor or someone says, is there someplace I can help? And you find out and, and you decide to explore that and, and maybe get involved, that's good for one quarter. All right, so when you get home, I want you to get a little bowl or a jar or something, and that's going to be your investment jar, and you're going to put one quarter in there, and that's going to say, I have taken a step to find a place to serve. And then I want you to, to keep a journal. All right, now, gentlemen, for you, this is going to look like a post-it note. You're, you're going to write like three words on it. Okay, I, I understand that. I would probably do the same thing. 
your wives are going to keep a diary. And it's, it's going to tell a life story. And that's OK, too. However you need to do it, I want you to somehow write it down and say, here's what that quarter symbolizes. Here's, here's the place where I'm trying to use whatever gift God has given me to bless others. Then you get home. And I want you to look around your neighborhood. Uh, take some time to pray for your neighbors. And say, Lord, is there a need near me on my street and my community where I could use what you've given me? Maybe it's nothing more than my leaf rake, but I could use this to bless someone else, to serve someone else. And if you can find a need and you go and do something about it, that's another quarter in the jar. Don't forget to write it down in your post-it note. And then uh, maybe it's your rooted group. Your, your life group gets together this week, and I think this is the week that your groups are trying to do a service project together. And if you're involved in that, great, that's another quarter. Don't forget to write it down. What I want you to do is go through this week saying, Lord, where can you use me? And then take some steps to be used. I'm hoping some neat stories come out of this. It may not be big dramatic stories. It may be little stories. It may just be something that shifts in your own thinking, your own heart. If that's happening, I would really love to hear about it. So drop me an email. It's pretty simple. It's tim at dcchurch.org. Or call the church office. If I'm not in, leave me a message. I'd love to hear what's happening. Next Sunday, when you come back to church, bring the quarters that you've invested, Okay, the ones that got in the jar. Bring those back with you. We're going to have a container out here. Drop them in. It's going to be a way that we say, as a church body, this is how I've been working this week to find a way to be invested in what God wants in my life. And the money that comes back in, we're going to send that along with the hurricane relief funds that we're sending out. In fact, this is the last week that we're doing that collection to help Ocean Church. I asked Colleen on Thursday how that was going. She did a quick look. She said, so far, about $14,000 has come in. So praise God, yeah? So if you want to participate in that, I'd say, hey, that's a way you're serving. All right? One of the gifts is generosity. And so maybe that's how God's going to move you this week. So one of your quarters are going to say, yeah, I got involved to help support some Christians I know that have been severely impacted by a hurricane. That's great. Bring that stuff back next week. Bring along your journals. And I hope we'll have some time during the service to even share some stories. What, what has it been like this week? Consciously saying, how can I be invested in what God is doing? You can see what's happening, right? I, I am entrusting some of God's money to you. Don't blow it. I didn't get permission. <laughs> Next Sunday, we're going to see how much of it we can give back. Now, the things that you didn't invest, okay, don't bring those. Hang on to them, okay? That's the stuff you're hoarding. I mean, that's the stuff, <laughs> that's the stuff you're going to invest in the following weeks, right? Because this isn't a one-week project. This is the life Jesus called us to live. It's not about the money. These are just a marker. One more thing as I'm wrapping this up. When it comes to investing, not every investment is a winner. Have you ever tried something ministry-wise? You volunteered for something. You got involved. You, you went to help somebody with a project, and it just bombed. 
I mean, it, it just, it wasn't you, or the activity went terrible, or you felt unappreciated, or whatever. And, and sometimes those things happen to us. We say, man, I invested, that went bad. You know what the moral of this story is? I will never invest again. Any real investor will tell you that's not how you invest. Not every investment is a winner. Again, the servant that got in trouble didn't get in trouble because he lost what he was given. But I think the guy with the, the one bag of silver, I think if he'd lost the whole thing on what he thought was a good deal and, and he was wrong, I think the master would have been pleased. I mean, for one thing, the master knew he probably wasn't real smart anyway. He only gave him one bag of money. So he was kind of bracing himself this was going to get lost. But he was said, that's okay. We're going to learn something in this process, and I'm going to entrust you with some more, and you're going to do better next time. So if you have tried things in ministry and it didn't go well, don't take that as a sign that you're not supposed to be involved in ministry. Just go, I guess there's maybe a different ministry I should be investing in. That's great. God may have gifted you for something different. But at the same time, maybe God wants you to do something risky. Push yourself a little bit outside of what feels normal or natural for you because I really do believe that God invests in us some unearned kindnesses, some spiritual gifts that go beyond what we would be able to do or want to do just in ourselves. It, it is his work in us, right? It's his power in working in us. And I've known lots of people over the years that looked at a certain kind of ministry and said, oh, I couldn't do that. You know, you say, could you, uh, you, know, could you work with, with youth or could you teach a children's Sunday school class? Oh, I, I can't do kids. It just scares me to death. But then they went and they took a risk and they said, well, maybe I could. And they come back and go, man, that's the greatest thing I ever did. I love that. In fact, God's using me there. Go, that's awesome. God's gifted you. You're investing it. And there's returns coming back. So don't be afraid to push outside your comfort zone. The way the world works is that success is measured by how many quarters we keep. The kingdom of God God's economy is measured not by how many quarters we keep, but by how many we give away. The goal, if we steward well, is right there. We've each received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. If you speak as one who speaks oracles of God, you serve as one who serves by the strength God supplies, in order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Have fun investing. <laughs>